Jai Janendra. So let's start with the Naukar Mantra. Om Namo Arihantanam Om Namo Sitanam Om Namo Ayariyanam Om Namo Uchayanam Namo Luwe Savasahunam Eso Panchanamukaro Sava Pavapanasano Mangalalancha Savasim Paramam Have Mangalam Paramam Have Mangalam Thank you everybody for coming this week. The reason that we emphasize mindfulness in this class all the time is because everything is experienced in the mind. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if you change your mindset, you can change your life. As we mentioned previously, if you start believing you're a soul, you'll act much differently than if that is something theoretical in a book that you read somewhere. Well, today we're going to be doing something a little bit different than that, a little bit more practical and a little bit less ambitious than trying to believe we are a soul. Today, we're going to examine our lives and look at our mindset surrounding the things we do. It was Socrates that said, the unexamined life is not worth living. So we better get on with trying to examine our own lives. Here's the truth. The truth is that most things you think you have to do are actually things you get to do. Most things you think you have to do are things you get to do. If you understood that you get to do these things, you'll be a lot happier with your life. So let's go look, look for an example. Most people think that we have to do chores. We have to do things like take out the trash or fix things around the house. But that is actually something we get to do. We get to take care of our, the space around us. We don't have to. So why wouldn't we do it with a smile on our face? I'll tell you why. <clears throat> because we often think the things that we have to do are preventing us from having all the fun that we could be having. Thank you for everybody that just joined. Today we're talking about how things that we have to do are actually things that we get to do. So let's say the faucet starts leaking. Read Arjun. Yes. Okay. So let's say the faucet at our house starts leaking. Um, I could be watching, we start to think, uh, I could be watching TV, but now I have to fix this le leaky faucet. I have to spend money on it. I have to use up my whole Saturday morning, which is probably the most important thing. This is the time I had already planned to do other things. I already have <clears throat> a lunch plan with my family and dinner's already tied up. In fact, my whole weekend is booked up. This was the one time I had to myself and now I have to fix this leaky faucet. That's the problem right there, right? Why is something as important as my happiness being affected by this leaky faucet? The thing is that if we change our mindset and live in the present moment, whatever we're doing right now is the most fun that we could be doing, most fun that we could be happy, having. For people that really live in the present moment, fixing a faucet is just as fun as watching TV, as counterintuitive as that sounds. Taking out the trash is just as fun as playing a game on your phone. It sounds very hard to believe, but there are people out there right now that understand this. Because if you're thinking about watching TV while you're fixing the faucet, you're definitely not living in the present moment. You're living in an alternate reality that imprisons you and prevents you from living in the present moment and being happy. So let's think about things that we think we have to do, but we actually get to do. Most people think they have to do exercise. They're like, oh, 
now it's time. I have this time again. I have to do it. I really don't want to do it. I could be doing other things. I have this much work to get to. I could be catching up on my emails at work. I could be doing this. And we use that as an excuse not to do exercise. But the truth is exercise is something you get to do. You have an opportunity to take care of your body. Why wouldn't you take it? You get the opportunity to push yourself now for an endorphin rush later. Why wouldn't you take it? Why wouldn't you take a legal and healthy high as opposed to an illegal and unhealthy high? Do you, why wouldn't we be thankful for the time that we have to exercise and do it with a smile on our face? Do other people get to do that? No, other people don't have time to do exercise. What else? Um, so most people think they have to babysit their children. But guiding your children is something you get to do. And you don't get to do it for very long at that. So why wouldn't we cherish that time we have with our children? It's because we're too focused on the smaller task in front of us, such as getting them out the door and in the car and not late for something. Then the bigger task, the more important task and larger task that's in the distance, that is preparing them for life. So I wanna hear from you. What are some things that in your life that you feel like you have to do? And let's see if you really have to do it or is it something you get to do? How do we take it, anything that we how to do which is unpleasant um, uh, facing somebody who's close by who is you know who's moved on or uh, working with something that is kind of very very unpleasant in general okay so a lot of times our work is there's tedious parts of our work or there's things that we don't like about our work right that's also something we get to do. Um, if we live in the present moment, those things don't become tedious. And let's say they are unpleasant. I'm not saying that living in the present moment makes things, everything pleasant. You're right, that things are unpleasant. But if we live in the present moment, we realize why we have to do unpleasant things. And we think about the bigger picture as we're doing that. And even that, even as we go through unpleasant circumstances, living in the present moment, we appreciate the pleasant ones all the more. Let's hear from somebody else. What, what, think about your life. What is it that you have to do? I guess I would say deal with the unexpected that comes along, like you gave an example of the leaky faucet. Right. Yeah, so dealing with the unexpected. But how much in life is unexpected? It wasn't a guaranteed that something's gonna go wrong in the house. I'm, my house is breaking down like every day. I know that my free time is going to be used in doing that. It's just, I don't know when. And that's why it's unexpected. And it always happens at the wrong time. When I'm sitting down to have my one hour that I have to myself in my day, well, that's when something, that's when somebody alerts me to a bug in the house or, hey, this, this, needs, this crack needs to be fixed or something like that. It's unexpected, right? And is that because it's actually unexpected or because we're just short-sighted? Because we know people close to us are going to die. We know that we're going to die. That's unexpected in that we don't know what time it will happen, but we know it will happen. We know something in our house is going to break down. We know our kids are gonna get into trouble. We know our kids are gonna get in a lot of trouble, right? But it's just, we don't know when. So why should that affect our happiness? I guess the difference is it is sort of expected, like you said. Uh, but it is not planned for. You haven't planned for the faucet to leak or your your child to whatever misbehave or whatever, right? right? Or get in trouble. So, so I think that's the difference. Since it is not planned, uh, although we know it will happen someday, uh, and you are not ready for for 
that particular task, uh, you take it as, I mean, not in a positive way, I guess. Right. And that's our fault. We didn't plan for it, right? Because you say it's expected, but then we didn't plan for it. So that's definitely our fault. Welcome to everybody who just joined. We're talking about examining our life and how the things that we think we usually have to do are actually things we get to do. We're privileged to do them. And the reason we don't think we're privileged to do them, well, we're talking about them right now. It's a matter of mindset. So just think about your life. What other things do you think you have to do that you don't necessarily like? I guess uh, <clears throat> health, you have to take care of your health. Right. And so in what way? In, in like the exercise example I gave or in another way? Okay, sorry, I must have missed that, yeah. Um, yeah, no problem. Um, so, right, we have to take care of ourselves. We have to go to the doctor. We have to schedule the appointment. It's going to mess up work, but we knew that was coming. But why wouldn't we do it with a smile on our face? Why wouldn't we have the mindset of, hey, I get to do these things. I get to schedule an appointment with the doctor. I get to do these things. And I know what you're thinking, right? Thimer. You'd live, you're telling us to live like a child and be in amazed and wonderment at everything that's going on around us. Wow, I get to vacuum the floor, you know? Wow, I, I get to clean up after my children. Yes, that's what I'm telling you to do. I'm not telling you to live like a child. I'm telling you that the happiness is within yourself and don't make your happiness dependent on external circumstances. So I think that our kids are going to get a great benefit out of this change of mindset. So for example, we could tell our kids, brushing your teeth is not something you have to do because I say so. It's something you get to do because you get to take care of yourself. You know, doing your homework is not something you have to do because of this external punishment of grades and how it affects your life later on. It's something you get to do. Why wouldn't you want to learn new things, right? Learning how to cook is not something you have to do because I say you have to do it. No, it's something you get to do to make what you want later in life. Anyone else have any examples about how we can tell our kids about things that they feel like they have to do are things that they get to do? Well, I think if I told my kids what you told me, they'll tell me that they get to sleep and they can stay to sleep <laughs> rather than wake up and do stuff. Right, right. Our kids always want to sleep in and our kids always want to not get up and start their day. But their day is something they get to do. <laughs> what else can we tell our kids? Well, I think there's not a single thing, and you know, even breathing, as simple as that, we don't have to do that. I mean, anything can be proven that it, you, you get to do this, you don't have to do it. Right. Anything and everything is basically, I mean, you know, I, I can't find a single thing that we have to do, pretty much. Right. Mostly, we, we have privilege to do it. We don't think of it that way, but it's, it's all privilege. Right, so you've uncoded the whole rest of the talk, right? Our entire life is something we get to do. Our entire life is not something we have to do. The people that actually live in the present moment are never bored. They never wish they were somewhere else. They're never subject to regretful emotions. And these are not rich people. These are not people that have traveled the world. These are poor people. These are one famous philosopher lived in poverty in a jail for most of his life. And he was happier than most people ever will be because he knew about living in the present moment. And so if you, if you counter me and say, hey, you know, I'm not gonna live my life as a child in wonderment at everything and everything at 
you know, at the life that surrounds me and how amazing everything is when it's just a logical result of the technological advancements that have come before, I'm saying, okay, you're limiting your own happiness if you choose to believe that. If you choose to believe that thinking that way is living like a child would, then you're limiting your own happiness. And you'll never almost, your happiness in this life will be extremely fleeting. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what exactly happens if we take this to its logical outcome? That is, our entire life is something we get to do and not something we have to do. Well, I've identified three things. Hopefully we can identify more here. The first is that we eliminate all external validation sources in our life because our internal validation standards are higher than any external validation. Does anybody know what that means? Say it again. Can you repeat it? Sure. When we start understanding that life is something we get to do, not something we have to do, we eliminate all external validation sources in our life because our internal validation standards are higher than those external validation sources. Does anybody know what that means? Uh, I, the way, what comes to my mind first thing is expectation. Uh, we, let's say, you know, uh, when there's a good cricketer, he would expect to get a compliment externally to, to realize that, you know, I'm a good cricketer. But if he knows internally that he's a good cricketer, he doesn't need to know from outside that he's a good cricketer. That's kind of what comes to my mind. Right. That's exactly right. So as we grow up, it's natural we have external validation sources. That is, what are the things that make us feel good as children? It's the validation from our parents. We thrive on that. That's natural. That's the way it should be. Okay. But as we grow up, those external validation sources become diverse. For example, we could have people of the opposite sex externally validating us. We could have our teachers externally validating us saying we did a good job and that makes us feel good. Um, and then we thrive on that. We could have, um, people we look up to validating us saying, hey, you did a good job on this. And then as we get older, we have our bosses and supervisors externally validating us. They say, hey, you did a great job. We have money from society that externally validates us. Hey, you did a good job, you get rewarded with money. Now, the goal in our life, and for our kids' life especially, is to remove all external sources of validation, that is, I should not feel good or bad about anybody else's opinion of my work or my actions or my thoughts or my beliefs. I'm trying to remove all external sources of validation and I'm only trying to um, rely on internal sources of validation. That is, if I do a job, <clears throat> I work on it until I feel the job is complete. And then when it's complete, I feel good because I know I did a professional job, a good job, a good enough job to take care of the problem, whatever the case may be. And then I don't care really if my boss says, hey, great job. I know it's a great job. I did it to my standards. You know, I don't care if society gives me money for that. I did it for the job's sake. That is, I did it for my internal validation. All the work I do is subject only to my internal validation. That doesn't mean everything's great. Sometimes things fail my internal validation. Like if I try to do something around the house that I've never done before, and it's obviously a bad job. For example, let's say if there's a hole in the wall and I really don't know anything about drywall or painting over it, but I try anyway, and it looks pretty poor. Well, it's not going to pass my internal validation. I'm still going to feel bad about it, but nobody else is making me feel bad about it. That is, I am only my own validation source. I am the judge of my actions. It doesn't matter what anybody else says about me. And that's one of the kind of deeper consequences of what we talked about before. Yes. Uh, sorry, go ahead. 
Go ahead. Um, I had a question in regards to that. So um, let's just say people uh, with school, you study, study, and you take a test or whatever, and you kind of do bad, and then you put your effort. So in school right now, some of these kids have chances to come in and meet with the teacher extra, and they put their effort, right? You're, you you in, internally know that you're making an effort to do good. Um, you meet them, and then you take the test again. And again, you don't do good. So how do you maintain that? Hey, I, for my internal purpose, I showed that effort, which everybody says, I can see you made an effort and you continue trying, but you're not, the grades still don't reflect your effort. Right. So you've identified a key point is that effort is different from outcome. It's actually totally different because for me to get the same outcome as somebody else, another person could put in 10 times the effort and not receive the same outcome. So it's about, so that question can be resolved about how our internal validation mechanisms work. Are they outcome-based or are they effort-based? And so it depends, people have different internal validation schemes. So in your example, hey, I put in a lot of effort, I put in extra effort, I wasn't there. Should I feel good or bad about it? I'm not saying you should feel good or bad. You might feel good or you might feel bad. It may be right for you to feel good or it may be right for you to feel bad because you feel like you should have gotten some outcome. I'm not really, uh, I don't personally care about that. What I care about is that you are controlling the judgment of your actions, right? Not somebody else. That, uh, so we can talk about it. Uh, let's talk about it. Do you think that our internal validation should be on the effort we make or on the outcomes we receive. What do you think? It's, it's on the effort. Um, I tell the kids the same thing. It's um, the teachers tell them the same thing that if you take a test, you don't do good and you take it again, they're going to say, well, you didn't even make an effort, but if they see you come in and make that effort. They'll say, they pat you on the back and say, I know you are dedicated. I know you came to class early, you tried and, they congratulate you on the effort, regardless of what that grade will be. Great. I, I think that's great. If your internal validation, if we tell our kids that it's based on effort, uh, actual effort, then I think that's great. I, that's I not how life works. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, certainly not. It's not how life works. Um, you, I could make all the effort. I could make 100, devote 100% of my life to being a great basketball player, but I'm never going to make the NBA. Certainly, that's not how life works. But that doesn't mean I can't be happy with the effort. It just means I'm not basing my happiness on the outcome. Understood. So, so right. So we could fail a test and that could make us fail out of school. But that doesn't mean I have to be unhappy about it. If, and that's, that's the crux of the matter, right? That's the internal validation. I can be happy with myself having failed a project because of the effort I put in. And so let's say our kids fail, fail out of school, but we realize they made a huge Herculean effort, but for some reason they failed out of school. They can still be happy about it. That's the lesson. So and anybody else, should we base our internal validation scheme on effort or outcome? I, I have a, it's a practical aspect of the example you just mentioned, right? Uh, let's say, you know, I, I failed the test internally. I'm, I'm happy, uh, because of whatever reason, if, whether I paid put effort in it or did not, I'm just happy because I'm satisfied. But what happens the, the way in the society, I mean, you know, my parents, for example, they're going to be like, Oh, me here failed the test, whatever it is. And hang, hang on. They're the external. Absolutely. Exactly. That's my point. I'm getting there. So it's an external and the society is built around such a way. And whether you talk about SAT, GRE, you know, it's, it's a matter of uh, proud for my parent to say, okay, you know what? Me here scored so much on SAT or, you know, he's going to the school. So if it's internal, I mean, we all agree effort should matter rather than the outcome. But the society, the way the society is built and driven, it's taking us in a different direction than what we should be 
on the internal and not external. Why, why is that? Sure, absolutely. This is a continuation of the point you made last week about society heading in the wrong direction. Um, I don't care about society. I care about you. I care about you and, I, and you care about your children and I care about your children. And I care about telling you the truth. And the truth is that we must all move to an internal validation scheme, no matter what society says. So here's the second um, outcome of what we talked about earlier, is that if we start to believe that life is something we get to do rather than something we have to do, we become a more congruent person. That is, our actions comport with our words 100%. This helps you at work, okay? Because more people trust you if you're a congruent person. That is, you get, you're always gonna get the job done by the time you say you're gonna get the job done. Um, your internal validation makes you do all the extra things that make a finished work product shine. Um, and also a congruent person, their speech comports with their thoughts and their actions comport with their speech, right? And so it makes you dependable um, that you do something you say you're going to do, and people trust you on that. So that's another outcome of this change in mindset. A third outcome is that it's easier to accomplish a goal. That Timur, I have a question on that one. Yeah. On the second point, mm -hmm. on congruent and, you know, kind of come through on your words, do what, do what you say, right? Um, in, in, a, in current, you know, situation, what if you overcommit yourself, right? If you overcommit yourself, meaning, for example, you know, I have, let's say, two other things for the rest of the day, and I'm here right now and thinking about those things. It's not mindfulness. It's not being there. I guess how to avoid doing such things so you can be congruent, you can stay, stick to your word, uh, and do what you say in a practical way. Sure, mistakes will happen. Um, you could not predict, um, you could not, you could overcommit yourself, for example, and promise on something you can't deliver. But if you're a congruent person, you will tell the person you under deliver to, hey, here's what happened. I'm sorry about this. If you know how to make an apology, you can say, here's what happened. Here's why I thought it wasn't going to happen. And here's what I can do to make it better. And that doesn't mean you're not a congruent person anymore. People that are 100% congruent still make mistakes, but they tell people the truth about why they made the mistake, why it won't happen again. And people trust you that it won't happen again because you have a track record of being 99%, you know, dependable. And well, I think, I, I think yes. Tim, I think it's about, uh, it's about, you know, transparency of where you are in the process as well, right? So if you know you're going to be late, most congruent people know that, hey, I can't finish this in time. They're going to like prevent that from showing up at the end and saying, hey, you know what, because of this other whatever it is, you know, I can't fulfill the commitment in that time frame. But I can if you give me an extension of this, I can finish that, right? You know, I mean, that's kind of how most congruent people that I've seen work, right? They just kind of say that, hey, this is where I am. And they're very transparent or honest or whatever you want to call that, you know, uh, uh, to, to tell them where, tell where people are. Okay, that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Thanks, Mike. So the third thing that I think is kind of a deeper realization or a deeper outcome that you have when you change your mindset is that it becomes easier to accomplish a goal that you set because, because now you're on this internal validation scheme, you work hard for its own sake. And this is one of the most toughest things to tell to kids, to try to teach kids. Does anyone know how to explain to their children the phrase, you get out what you put in? So this is one of the hardest lessons for children to learn because we're constantly pushing them, right? We have to teach them, right? They're never pushing themselves. And why is that? It's not because they're lazy, right? It's because they have so little control over their own lives and over their own schedule 
that us pushing children becomes part of the family dynamic. And that it's my firm belief is that children are not any lazier than adults are. It's just that we give them so little control over their environment, it's like they acquire a learned helplessness. So they never put anything, any work into something more than what is minimally required because they know we're gonna come around again and say, hey, do this and this and this and this, and they're just gonna put in the bare minimum. And we have to somehow convince our kids that this phrase is true, right? That you're gonna get out of life what you put in. And they never understand that because they never put in more than the minimum anyway, because of the fact that, of what I mentioned, right? So how do we explain to our kids? How do we teach them this lesson that, hey, if you put something in here above and beyond, you know, what I'm asking you to, you're going to receive a lot more in return. I, I, I'll share a, a recent incident um, that, I, that I'm, I'm experiencing in a team project, and it's not kids, it's adults. Um, and, you know, the, the, we have a team project, and uh, a few people made a comment, let's just do the, the least amount of work that we can get away with. And that were the exact word. Uh, and, and it could be, I don't know, it's maybe because of the old commitment or, or, you know, too many things in life, but this is exactly, and I don't know, I would like to know how I can explain them that you'll get, you know, what you get, what you put in. It's, it's something hard to explain even to adults. Uh, I don't know to the kids, how would I do to the kids? Right. Then just I think that's you have to do it. I think that's part of the answer is our overcommitment. We want our fingers in a lot of pies, right? I'll, I'll give you a personal example. I only do like three or four things and I just, I want to do them well. I do my work, right? I do my family stuff. I do this dad's class and I do some Jane Center work, right? And, and I do some reading, like right before bed. I do like five things. That's all I do. That's my, that's my life right now. That's all I can, I'm happy with that. I'll give you a personal example. I'm happy with that if that's the rest of my life, okay? It's my work, it's my family, it's my, uh, it's this dad's class, it's some other Jane Center work, and it's reading. Like, that's all I do. And so it seems like, I try to do them really well, right? So if somebody talks to me about those things, I can talk about that, right? But if somebody talks to me about other things, I'm, it's not really my expertise. I don't really do them. So I think that that overcommitment, if you're talking about people at your job, they're probably doing a lot of other projects, right? So they're trying to juggle a lot of balls in the air. So they, they don't feel like on this particular project, they don't feel like it's worth a lot of their time, but somebody else made them do it or put staff them on the project. So now they're like, okay, I just want to do as least work as possible so I can concentrate on these other parts of my life. And that's what a kid does, right? A kid has no idea that they don't care about, oh, I got to go to this place with my parents. Oh, I got to do this reading. It's a, a kid's life is so chaotic that they don't have anything, any, any more willpower or motivation than to put in the bare minimum because they're like a unruly, we're like unruly bosses right? That change projects, that change importance of things that, you know, oh, now this project is scrapped. Now we're on this thing. You know, now I want you to learn about this. It, that's what it feels like to a kid. So for them to put in more work than minimally necessary is just a waste of time for their, uh, for them. And, and the, the thing that uh, here we have on my recent work, we had where um, we're trying to do a proposal for something and it's not an initiative that our immediate team was doing, but somebody else uh, above our management and they asked us to, you know, take it forward. And we knew the outcome would be zero or nothing much of it. Yet that the leadership was trying to look for a sale out of it. So they continue pushing to get, a lot of work out of us where we felt our outcome was going to be minimal. So we never wanted to put the effort or, uh, you know, put much into it because just that the outcome. We're, so we're basically looking at the outcome to determine, do we really put much work in it or not? Probably not the right way, but yeah. I see the problem. The problem is that our bosses are forced external sources of validation. 
So we had this, so Ashish is talking about this project, right? Well, it's a project that was forced upon him. He knew what the outcome was. He knew it wasn't going to be good. So if it was only up to him, if it was only up to his internal sources of validation, he'd say, oh, scrap it, we'll do something else. But now he has an external force acting on him, right? Saying, well, you have to do this because I have these interests that are other than having a good project done there. I want to sell it later or I want to do something or I just have to write a, it's a line item on a piece of paper that I show my boss, right? So now these, we have this external forced validation. So that's a problem. Uh, I don't have an answer for you for that problem is that we want to move to 100% internal validation, but we have a forced external validation source in our lives. So how do we do that? Well, ideally we, we all want to be our own boss and then we could really be 100% internal validation. But that's something we have to square, right? Is, oh, is, oh, go ahead, Ashish. Uh, no, I was going to say, um, so there's another element to look at it. We always also tell kids not just to work hard, but work smarter, right? So if there is a way to do something in less time, uh, it's not necessarily you put less efforts, but you work smarter also works too. So that is, that is the piece also we time to time remind them, you know, just, just uh, putting three hours is not something what you get as long as you made it right, uh, made it right type of efforts and um, you work smarter. Um, other thing on this corporate, what we talk about, let's say everybody's corporation, you have some sort of a bonus at the end of the year and you start with your first quarter losing a tons of money that you know that by the end of the year, you're not going to get anything as a bonus, right? So the whole rest of the year, most of the people are always depressed and, and they do tend to go down in the path saying, what's the point of working harder anymore for the rest of the year? Let's start making differences for the next year, in other words. So those are the two external. So that's the, the second portion definitely is an external source that, you know, you also have to validate, not just work um, within, but as a, as a ethical or as a moral responsibility that you're supposed to work and put in what you're supposed to do. So either you work smarter, uh, should we continue saying those things or just keep saying this? Yes, you need to continue, make your efforts and don't worry about the results. I do think that the second example you gave is not a forced external validation. Money is not the forcing issue. Your internal validation should have you, let's say you're not going to make the bonus because you right. first quarter was totally negative. Well, you still have an internal validation scheme that says, I do work for the work's sake and I do good work for the work's sake. Now that money is not an external validation to you, to other people, it may be different, right? So you're still going to work hard because of the money. I think the first example was a little bit different because your boss if your internal validation is saying, I'm going to, this project is no good, I'm going to quit it, but your boss is forcing you to finish, that I think is a forced external validation. I have an example, and I think it's going to be more of a help for me than, than anything else uh, to this discussion. But Friday afternoon at three o'clock, three to five, we spend an, uh, I and my boss, we were on call, and we spend an effort in a direction that was basically some numbers that was just not going to be used anywhere. I mean, I, I just told, told him that, you know, once or indicated to him, but I still had to keep, keep on working with him. Whereas I could do a lot of different effective things that would have been uh, beneficial for the, you know, for me next week, it would have been much more productive. So what should be my thought process? I mean, it is a for external for, uh, uh, you know, forced stuff to me. My mind was like, you know, I could do much better than what we are spending hours for, because first of all, there's no rhyme or reason for putting these numbers together. It's working capital because it's a big topic and everybody wants to know, but for some reason he was, it's important for him. How should I satisfy myself that, okay, what I did internally is, was the right thing to do. Training how to do it by himself. Did you put your full effort into it? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I can tell you it was not 100% effort. 
That that number was it was basically That's your first mistake. Sorry. <laughs> That's your first mistake. Yeah, it, it is. I, I was not 100%. And I was guilty of not being 100%. And I was guilty of not telling him that, you know, what we're doing just doesn't make sense at all. So let me tell you from my stance, right? Like, I've seen so many people that I've worked with that I'm that I know we're doing something, but we do it for a reason to understand something. And someone will come and say that, Nick, this is not going to work. So I'm like, fine, we agree. It's not going to work. Now let's go do it. Right. So the part of being a team and understanding that, right. Is realize maybe by doing this math or whatever that is, right. To get to the end saying, yes, it's possible or no, it's not. And we, we in our company used to do it all the time when we lost a job. Okay. Because I, I wanted to understand where did I go wrong or did I go wrong, right? And so everyone would come together and they're like, there's no way they're going to make money. They're going to go broke, this and that. I'm like, guys, whatever that is, let it go. Now tell me where we went wrong, right? Where were we off? How are we going to be? And people don't give their 100% because they've already stated one. Right? And I think a lot of the learning process is when you do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think that was the approach uh, he was taking, that we'll learn, we'll, we'll, as we go forward, uh, we will know. And I, I think it was, you know, it's, and the simple example is when, you know, you can come up with 100 sum of 100, 100 different ways. And we just had to reverse engineer, how do we like it? We want to do 50 plus 50 or 40 plus 60 or 30 plus 70. There are tremendous possibilities. And I'm like, you know, why are we doing this? But you're right. I mean, that was his idea that we'll learn something as we go forward. And at the end of the day, I think he was, he was convinced. And uh, I, I had to do it. Is all, all, all the reason I was game. Mir, a lot of that is also building trust between two people, right? The fact that you went through that process with someone, if you and I go and go re-engineer something, which we've done a whole bunch of somewhere else, right? And we go say, hey, this is wrong. We can make this better. We, this is wrong. We can make it better. In our case, we were able to try things and say, you know what? Yeah, this worked. Let's tweak this and keep tweaking it. But in other cases, it actually builds a bond in understanding that. And that's the kind of bond that we want with our kids too, right? We want that bond that, you know what? We know we screwed up the project. We gave our 100% effort, but let's give our 100% effort and re-engineer it to understand what we could have done to fix it, right? You know? Um, and I, I'll give you an example. I'm not, I passed algebra and all that other stuff with flying colors. I know how to get the right answer, but Rhea was here the other day and I still have a stack of paperwork on my desk that shows that she was doing some homework and I was, I was doing it with her. So we, it was a problem. She was doing it and I was doing it, right? And we answered all the questions, okay? We submitted it. She gets a, an 80. So she looks at me and she goes, what good are you, right? Like, you know, like you're doing the problem. I'm doing the problem, you know? Like, why can't we get it 100%? And she's right, you know? There was no real external factor in this, right? It was just us. It was all internal, right? You know, but the whole fact is, as Ashish was saying, that the world looks at everything as an outcome, right? And our outcome wasn't the effort that both of us put in. So I had a different problem because in current school environment, they don't allow you to view the test again to see what you got wrong because they have to have the whole school finish the whole test. So for two days, she's like, dad, I told you, dad, I told you. Then we print it out, we go back, we realize, oh, there was a fundamental mistake, right? So we kind of re-engineer it back that, hey, okay, this is where the mistake was, you know? And there were small mistakes too. There were like negative positive mistake or something like that, that we didn't carry something forward. But the whole fact that she knew that she can come to me for it, now she brings every math problem to me. She's like, hey, dad, what do you think? Does this look right? Did I like, and I'm not worried about the answer, 
but I'm more worried about her thought process of how she got to that answer, right? That now we're on the same page of doing that, or she's on my internal plan of getting there in that way. So I saw the math problems on my desk here and I, I came up with that. So. so any questions or comments about anything we talked about? I know we ended on the three types of outcomes we hope to get by changing our mindset. And we started with how we can change our mindset to the practical applications of day-to-day -day life. And I hope to encourage you to start thinking about your life and your day. Um, any questions or comments about anything we talked about all of today? Oh, one comment I have from what I hear is it, it appears that it ought to be a cyclical effect as well. Like, you know, outcome versus income, like you said, input versus output, whether it is internal, external, or the way we validate back and forth, uh, could be contextual. Uh, but ultimately, if you're true to yourself, you know what's going on, you accept it, you learn, you move on. And, and, and basically, like, you know, like you said, like, validate yourself internally, you know, where you're doing going wrong, and move on. So it's, it's not either one versus the other. I, I think both are equally helpful is what I hear. Right. And we have been discussing internal validation schemes about effort versus outcome, but certainly you could have both as your internal validation scheme. The important thing is that we don't, we want to remove and also teach our children to remove all sources of external validation, including ourselves, right? That's one way that we have to wean our children from ourselves is that they don't have to seek out our approval or disapproval anymore. You know, that's called growing up, right? Yep. It might seem a redundant question, but you know, the, like for example, even for kids, everything is dependent on external approval, whether they can proceed to the next grade or not, whether they uh, got a, you know, they did put good effort or not by SAT score. So I, I agree, it should be internal validation. And unfortunately, I mean, I think India is probably the, the worst side about, you know, the first question after the results, you, your parents will ask you, uh, is, you know, what percent and what is the highest percent, what number you are in. Uh, it's all, to me, it's external source of verification. I don't remember ever asking that, did you do your best? That's not a, I mean, that's the question I think or terminology we need to use that, did you give your best effort? And, and I think that will bring a change uh, because, and, you know, I, I asked about society because you know, kind of that's how it's kind of herd mentality to some extent, you know, we, we kind of get influenced and I think all of us are all mentality will change, then it'll become more and more internal validation, more confidence internally than externally. So, uh, but I, I think, you know, that I, I'm going to try that. I'm going to ask, I mean, did you give your, your best uh, whenever another time comes up rather than asking, okay, who won? Because it's one of the things that we, after the soccer game, the next thing is like, okay, who won? Uh, it's not about, did, and you know, maybe the child is on the losing team, but that per, his performance was extra, or he or her performance were excellent, but we don't ask about that. Right. And, and you know what? We've been discussing false positives a lot. Well, there's also false negatives. That is, I was on the winning team, but I feel bad about it because it wasn't up to my play, wasn't up to my standards. So there's this disconnect right between the feeling good or bad about something and the effort that you put in and it could be there's the it could be any combination it could be i felt good because i i did good or i felt bad because i i didn't do well and that doesn't matter what the outcome was right so one quick announcement, we're going to be moving to Google next week and from there on after to harmonize ourselves with the rest of Patsala. I know a lot of your kids are on Google Meets. So I'm going to be setting that up this week and I will be um, posting to the WhatsApp group about what our new Google Meet ID is 
And I'm going to be following up with each of you individually, hopefully, or maybe on a big email or a big text about how to get onto Google and what you have to do to get there. So hopefully I'll do that all this week and we're gonna be on Google next week for sure. Any other questions or comments? Hey, Timmy, uh, this is Chintan again. Hey. So I know uh, Diwali program, as well as this year, many of you know it's the, I guess, 25th anniversary for the temple. So at Stats class, uh, is there interest to put on something uh, as a program or whatever we come up with for uh, Diwali and the anniversary for temple? Does anybody want to head up a program for dad's class Diwali? Okay, so it's something to think about. If um, nobody wants to head it up, that's fine. Um, but uh, just let me know if you're interested in doing something, if you want to put on something. Uh, no, be very sure that if you tell me, hey, dad's class should do this, I'm going to put you in charge of it. So make sure you know that before you tell me that you want dad's class to do something. Tim, it sounded like Chintan wanted to do it, you know? <laughs> yes, PC, I was just checking, but uh, if there is interest from a few of us, I'm happy to, to coordinate. Uh, hopefully not taking one of those many things, um, but at the same time, it doesn't have to be necessarily a performance. I mean, could could be really anything. Uh, Right, sometimes it's a debate, sometimes it's a play, sometimes it's um, you know just getting up there and telling people about dad's class. Um, I think that I'm happy to give, I'm happy to devote especially class time to it if that's something you want to do, but I will require one of you to take a leadership position on it. And it can't be me, because uh, I have to do the other part of dad's class. So if you want to do something and you want to be a leader on it, and you want to have class time and you want to have volunteers from dad's class, I'm happy to uh, coordinate all of that with you. All right, thank you everybody for your time this week. I really appreciate that. And I hope that um, uh, we can keep on learning and growing together as we meet each week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you Jai 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 J